The Bleed Smart Sportscast is brought to you by SunMaxBatteries.com, the go-to website for all your battery needs. SunMax Batteries carries a full line of super heavy-duty ultra-outline lithium and button cell batteries. SunMax Batteries compares in quality to well-known national brands, and the best part, SunMax Batteries are priced much lower than their competitors. Flashlights, remote controls, gaming controls, headphones, digital cameras, hearing aids, smoke alarms, whatever device you need a battery for, SunMax has the best batteries at the best price for your device. You can order a 24-pack of AA or AAA heavy-duty batteries for only $5.99 or a 24-pack of ultra-alkaline, ideal for all kinds of gaming and high-tech devices at just $12.99. Order today and use coupon code BOSTON at checkout. That's coupon code BOSTON, all uppercase at checkout, and save 20% off your entire order. 20% off those already low prices. Once again, that's coupon code BOSTON, all uppercase at checkout, and save big today. Sunmaxbatteries.com, C-E-L-L-M-A-X-Batteries.com, the official sponsor of the Wicked Smart Sports Guys. Alright, welcome into another episode of the Wicked Smart Sports Guys podcast. Thanks to Dolly Dreams, as always, for the intro music. And we have our first episode after the Celtics season ends. I don't know if you guys caught my post-game stream after that game was over, but if you didn't, you can check that out. A lot of what I talked about, a little bit different now. Because Brad Stevens is now the president of basketball operations for the Celtics, not Danny Ainge. In the weirdest game of musical chairs you'll ever see, uh, Ainge and Ainge gets fired, and Stevens takes his role, and now the Celtics are looking for a new head coach. So here to talk about everything that's ahead for the Celtics in what's already started out to be a crazy offseason is one of the newer writers over at Guy Boston Sports, Rob Green. Rob, welcome to the show. Thanks, KJ. I'm happy to be here. I'm excited for this offseason. Obviously, this is a year for us to not remember. And I feel like I haven't remembered a year like this since before the 17th banner. But yeah, I'm happy to be here, man. So, Rob, I just want to start off by asking you what your reaction to all that craziness was the other day because... When I first heard that Danny Ainge might be leaving, and I know Woj tweeted it, even with Woj tweeting it, I didn't even really believe it initially. And then as the stuff started to trickle out, when Ainge actually left and then it was revealed Brad Stevens was taking his role, my mind was just blown. I didn't understand it. I'm pretty concerned with the fact that Stevens has never been in a role like that. He's only been a coach. I don't know if he's going to be any good as a general manager or as a president of basketball operations, however you want to say it. And it feels like it's going to create a weird dynamic, even for coaches coming in, interviewing. Like if I was a coach, if I was Chauncey Billups or Sam Cassell, and the Celtics coming to me, and Brad Stevens is saying, "Hey, do you want my like old like interviewing me for his old job?" I just I feel like it'd be weird. I, I feel like I'd have you know someone looking over my shoulder for you know that that might be ready to take my job at any moment. And I know the Celtics are insisting that that's not going to be the case, but. It's just hard for me to have faith in that as a potential head coaching candidate. So, that, I mean, that that was my whole reaction and what I what I make of the situation. But what about what was yours? Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that last part because I was listening to The Ringer last night, and I love Bill Simmons, I love Rosillo, and they were Bill was saying how like they since we know how Wake and Danny had so much faith in the rest of the front office and ownership and Brad, they were saying how they could look at this as a Pat Riley thing where he could maybe. Six years down the line, if the coaching thing doesn't work out, he can go back to coaching. While I was listening to it, I was thinking, like, we want to live in the present and we want to find the best man available now. And I first see how Danny was seriously considering it. And my first thought was, this could, you know, this could happen soon. 
whether it be today or in the next few days. And 10 minutes later, yeah, I'm refreshing Twitter and Shams, he's just like, it said that Danny was stepping down and resigning. And it said Brad was getting promoted to president. And I talked to my friends about it. I was like, I can't believe this. And I was excited because I'm, I've am i always been on his train. And we know throughout this dumpster fire of a season, all we've heard is Brad Stevens, Brad Stevens, Brad Stevens. You see the guys on first take trying to put the blame on him. He deserved the least amount of blame between the roster, between him and Danny Ainge. It's like we noticed how a bunch of these losses, especially in the first half of the season, they were kind of third quarter, fourth quarter breakdowns because Al, Kyrie, and Gordon walked out the door for nothing. I love Fournier. You saw my story on it. I believe he's a great fit, great complimentary guy. And he's going to help out in a lot of ways. But the fact that you got just him back for those three, when you're already lacking veterans, and like I said, first half of the year, so specifically speaking, before he came, they struggled. I'm really excited. I think Brad is the right man. And not for nothing, we know he's a basketball junkie. It kind of reminds me of Moneyball. I'm a huge fan of that movie. So it's like Brad Pitt and Jonah Hill. We've always seen Brad and Danny together at games, courtside, at the summer league games, at college games. And now Danny passes the torch to Brad. Brad takes over. This is the perfect role for him. Everything Brad does, whether it be coaching, the organization, he deserves this. Yeah, I mean, so you touched on a few things there. The first one I want to respond to is probably the point about Pat Riley, which is an interesting one because Riley, there are some similarities there. But I think the biggest difference is that when Riley first went to the front office, he was 58 years old and Stevens is a lot younger. So at that point, when Riley makes that transition in his career, he initially joined Miami really at the foundation of when they were building, you know, I, I believe he held both roles at that point, uh, you know, and I think he was holding the coach role and the president role already, and he just transitioned into president. So it was kind of a smoother transition. And, you know, he was, he was aging a little bit, so it made a little more sense that he might not want to be a coach anymore. With Stevens, he's still in, for all intents and purposes, in his infancy as a head coach. So it's so strange that he would make this move now. And, you know, we've seen coaches do it before, so I don't want to act like he can't do it. It's just weird that he would make this choice now. Like, if you put a gun to my head and said, is Brad Stevens never going to coach again? I would say no. Like, he's, I, would, I would be pretty certain that he was, he's going to go back to the sideline one day and be a coach, whether that's for the Celtics or not, I don't know. But that's why I think the situation is just so weird. I, don't, I can't imagine a universe in which Brad Stevens never coaches another NBA game, which is, again, why if I'm a potential candidate for this position, if I'm Chauncey Billups, if I'm Sam Cassell, if I'm Jason Kidd, if I'm Nate McMillan, whoever you want to say, then I, I'm, you know, have, um, you know, I, I want eyes in the back of my head. I have one, you know, I'm sleeping with one eye open waiting for Brad Stevens to come back down and take his job back. And I'm like, that, I, I don't see how that could not be a concern if you're one of these guys. Right. Well, as, as we've seen, you know, many sports analysts say the past 24 hours, it is still the Boston Celtics. So, I mean, it's tough to look from other perspectives other than ours, but I'm, it is a little fishy from an outsider point of view, like you said. But if you're, a, I believe if you're a candidate that 
what I would think is highly interested, like Phillips, like Cassell, like Kara Lawson, I think that they would be totally on board with this and they would be happy and they wouldn't be that worried. But if you're, they do know the game well, but if you're Mark Jackson and if you're Jeff Van Gundy, you're one of those candidates, you might be thinking like, does he really want to stick this out? Like, do I have anything to be worried about? But most of the names I just mentioned are great minds. And I believe that Wick, as well as Brad and the rest of the ownership would have a lot of faith in them. And this is going to be a tough decision, as we know. Like, we got plenty of time. The Celtics should wait for the rest of the postseason because this candidate, this pool of candidates is going to grow more, whether it be coaches wanting to leave, whether it be others getting fired. I like the pool now, but we might as well just be patient, right? Well, I don't know about that because, you know, there's there's other head coaching vacancies that are going to be available. And if you want Chauncey Billups or you want Sam Cassell, then there's no guarantee those guys are going to be sitting there in two, three, four weeks, however long you're going to wait when it's time for the season to end when you were finally ready to hire a coach. So if you want one of those guys, which in my opinion they should – they should go out and hire them as quickly as they possibly can. I, you know, I look at Celtics Twitter and you know the different conversations, uh, even from NBA analysts around the league. I know on the jump, uh, you had Brian Windhorst and Kendrick Perkins talking about who they would want, and you've had a ton of different people listing the top candidates. And it seems like from every facet, people that you don't usually agree, there's two different segments: Celtics fans, the negative ones, the positive ones. Yeah, Celtics fans don't usually agree with ESPN analysts, all this stuff. It seems like everybody agrees that the two top candidates are Sam Cassell and Chauncey Billups. So, to me, this is a layup. Like, this is easy. This is, you know, you get one of those guys. Like, I don't, you know, there's, to me, there's no, almost no other option other than one of those two. Because I've never seen such a consensus and such an agreement among Celtics fans as I do with wanting one of those two to be the next head coach. Now, if Brad Stevens goes out and hires someone else, then okay, he's going to really have to wear that because that, that's not who people want right now. But if it is, you know, if they if it is Cassell and it is Billups, one of those two guys that they want, they have to go out and do it now and I I think that, you know, it is it's it should be a pretty easy call because every everybody no matter which one of those guys you get, pretty much everybody's going to be happy about it. Yeah, not for nothing, we have gotten screwed in the past, too, where, when it has come down to the biggest of free agents, the biggest of names, where it's gotten that close, and then at the last second, it didn't happen. So, yeah, I agree with you. Why not take the layup, right, for a guy that's won a title with us, had a lot of experience, and, yeah, Billups had a brief stint, but he is a great mind for the game, and I remember... You know, hearing him do games when Jalen and Jason were first starting to break out. And he seemed, especially that month of February of 2020, when Jason really took off, he seemed like he was really in love with him. Like, really, obviously studied his game, knew everything about him, knew his weaknesses, knew his strengths. And he seemed like, that's what we want, right? Someone who's going to get the best out of our Batman and Robin. And... You know, not to change the subject, but we are, this is, this is hopefully the start of a big off season, right? We're looking for, you know, maybe it doesn't have to be a good third, but we're looking for a solid amount of depth. We're looking for a new second unit with a couple guys who really opened our eyes that we want to see stick around and grow with us. 
Yeah, and I think one thing that stands out about Billups that's different from Cassell and why I, I might be leaning slightly towards Billups now, even though it makes it still makes me anxious that they have such a difference in coaching experience. Billups has only been an assistant for one year, while Cassell really deserves a shot as a head coach. He's been you know 12 years, 13 years almost now as an assistant. So to me, it's just I think that there's a chance when you talk about guys like Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and wanting someone who can connect with those guys, it feels like they would have more respect for Billups because he's a player that they're going to have a, a greater memory of watching when they were growing up. Obviously, Cassell's time was a little bit before when they uh, were, were really getting into basketball. And, when, and even then, Cassell wasn't the player Billups was. So I, I think there is going to be an element to them ha- you know, having more respect for Billups if he comes in. And this is, that's a big part of who they're going to hire. I think that uh, a big conversation around why you fire Brad Stevens was that it, there was a sense that they weren't listening to him anymore, you know, and, and I kind of pointed this out earlier, but there was so much talk about, you know, what's wrong with the Celtics, what's wrong with the Celtics, what's wrong with the Celtics all season, and it was like, well, they're not giving enough effort and they're not passing. They're not giving enough effort and they're not passing, and that's what it was every single time, and it's like, well, how do you get them to give more effort and pass? It's like, well, you tell them to do that, but they weren't, so you have to imagine Brad Stevens was saying those things to them. It just wasn't landing, and they weren't listening to him or whatever else, so... The, the the idea that you need someone who's going to come in and connect with those guys and who they're going to listen to is perhaps the most important thing in the next head coach. And I think that there's a good chance that Billups is someone that they are going to have a lot of respect for and going to want to listen to rather than Cassell, who, while still someone who, who might, you know, is, should hold some weight, should definitely hold some weight in that locker room with everything he's done in the NBA uh, over the course of his, his long time, you know, both as a player and a coach, I just think that there's a chance that those guys would be more apt to listen to someone a little bit younger, like Billupson, who's closer to their generation. Yeah, and like you said, and that kind of, I was about to say, the Garnett fantasy, right? You want guys to really get their point across to your stars and really set them straight. That's the perfect guy for it. We know that's not going to happen as he shut it down and we knew he didn't have an interest in coaching in the first place, but it's with Cassell and with Billups where the experience comes in. And I remember seeing clips of Tatum when he was on JJ Reddick's podcast, uh, the old man in the three, when he was talking about comparing coach K to Brad and saying how coach K will run through a wall, run through a wall for you. But Brad, he's just all about the X's and O's. And we can tell he's a bit of a quiet guy. We see. But, like, he's a genius in disguise. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm just going to have to see it before I believe it with Brad Stevens as the president of basketball operations. And there's there's a chance that he is really good. There's a chance, you know, I, I agree with most of what you said. He's a smart guy, and I'm sure he can go into that role. And he wouldn't be the first coach to do it. I just, it feels awkward to me. It feels weird. It feels like he's too young to be making this transition. It's That's the abnormal part about it. And so, I mean, we'll, we'll just see. We'll see what kind of moves he makes because... The, the, one of the things I'm most interested in is to see what kind of trades that, that are available to them. And, you know, I, I want to see if some GMs around the league try to take advantage of them a little bit. Because for so long, we heard this narrative that Danny Ainge couldn't make deals because teams were afraid of getting fleeced by Danny Ainge. So they asked more from the Celtics than they would from other teams because they were afraid that they were going to look bad and P. Ainge was going to get the best of them. And, they, you know, they so they, they kept asking for more from the Celtics than they would for from other, other teams around the league. So... 
I, I wonder if that's going to turn into a situation now where teams say, all right, now the Celtics don't have Danny Ainge anymore. Now let me see if I can take advantage of Brad Stevens now, this new guy that maybe doesn't know exactly what he's doing. And I don't think the Celtics will run into too much of a problem with that because I'm sure this first year is going to be a lot of Stevens deferring to other guys in the front office, Danny Ainge's son and uh, Zarin and whoever else uh, that, that has input, and he's not going to be completely running the show. But... I, I, I just still wonder. I still I, I wonder not only are our teams going to try to take advantage of the Celtics and, and Brad Stevens, but are are things going to be more open to them than they otherwise were? Are teams going to be more open to making trades with them because it's just not Danny Ainge anymore and people got tired of dealing with Danny Ainge? Yeah, and like you said, it's no secret. There was a word around the league that was like, you know, don't trade with the Celtics. They don't do business well around there, especially since the IT trade. And I've always been the biggest Danny Age fan in the world and I love him like no other like the rest of us and I never wanted to admit this since the Isaiah trade but there was a bit of a bad rap going around where people didn't want to really make moves with Boston because like you said Danny Age can get a little too greedy or he can want to fleece you and we saw an example of that this past winter with the Miles Turner rumors you know we were right there at the finish line and what was it Turner, McDermott, I believe a pick maybe for Hayward. Could have been Warren in there. I could be wrong. But Ainge got a little too greedy and he wanted Oladipo. And now we know he has done things amazingly well with the first rebuild, getting us banner 17. And now, you know, there has been a... People aren't wrong when they say, when all the analysts say, you know, they could have built a powerhouse but they failed to do so in many different ways. Yeah, that's true, but you have to look at the future as well, and that's what Danny did. How about the championship contender he built in 17 for that season, right, after that trade? Kyrie, Hayward, Brown, Tatum, Horford. It's not his fault that it ended five minutes in because of a broken leg. You know, they could have went for Anthony Davis, obviously, but he wanted to be in L.A., they could have went for Kawhi Leonard, but they didn't want to. Another thing, they didn't want to trade these two. And look how great they're becoming now. But yeah, they're. It's kind of beneficial both ways because now teams will actually want to trade with the Celtics, and Brad could be a little more aggressive because he has that sort of fans' perspective, and he will have more help, like you said. You know, Danny even said in his presser. He's looking forward to not only just relaxing, spending time with family, but getting Brad ready, getting him ready for the draft. And he'll have help from him, from his son, from Mike Zarin, from Wick. You know, there's a lot to be excited about. I keep saying it, but there's plenty of moves to be made. And we can go in a lot of different directions with this. And kind of like what we saw in that summer of 2017, like where there was 11 new players. I don't know about 11 but we could see a big roster turnaround. And yeah, there are plenty of moves to be made. And this is the start of a big offseason, I would believe. Yeah, and one of the other things that Ainge said in that press conference is that Brad Stevens didn't always agree with the moves the front office made. And he wanted to do things differently at, at certain points in the past. And we'll see what that means exactly. You know, who's, who's to say what those moves actually are. I'd like to know that. I'd like to know, well, did, what, what are those? Did he not want to make the Isaiah Thomas trade? Did he not want to 
you know, sign Kemba Walker? Did he want to bring Tyree Rozier back? You know, what what are the, those moves that, that he supposedly didn't want to make? Was it, you know, he wanted to match Gordon Hayward's contract last year? You know, who knows what it was. But no matter, you know, what, which one of those things uh, it is, it, it's clear that things are going to be a little bit different now. And, and, and we'll see. I think, you know, for as much as I say, let's see if some of these other teams try to take advantage of Brad Stevens, that doesn't mean it's going to happen that way. Brad Stevens could easily get the best of some teams in this trade. That just means that... The Celtics right now are in a weird position, a much different position than they usually find themselves in, and there's some turmoil going on there, and you know, they, all of these GMs around the league, they're, they're sharks, and there's blood in the water, and they smell it, and they're going to try to come to feast, and it's just a matter of whether you can get the best of those sharks. So I think there's a good chance that Brad Stevens does fine in the trade, and is, you know, is fine at negotiating these deals, and gets a, you know, the best of one of these teams out there, but... The teams will be eager to try to see if he can or not because I think that you know many of these teams will see players like you know Marcus Smart or Jalen Brown even and say you know hey well would would you be willing to give up Jalen Brown you know what's the situation like see if he see if that's something that he's he's open to well you know what uh, if you, market man maybe that's you know stretched too far I don't know that Brad would do that if he did I think he would get a lot of criticism but maybe it's Marcus Smart maybe they say Mark, see Marcus Smart as an unvalued asset and you know, start to look at what, you know, you can get for him. And maybe Stevens is ready to move on from Smart. And I, you know, I started to look even at some of the other, uh, some of the names that they could trade for Smart straight up. I personally don't love a lot of these guys. I would prefer Smart be part of a deal for a, a package deal for a better player. I don't know how they make that happen and how they make that work. I'll be exploring it in an article later on uh, this offseason, maybe in the next couple weeks. But you know, as far as a a one for one deal, who you could actually get? Uh, I mean, there's again, there's not a lot out there. Like, if you wanted to trade Smart to Portland for Robert Covington, that's an option. I think that's probably a little bit of a downgrade. Um, Larry Nance is someone they were reportedly interested in the trade deadline. Their salaries work again. I feel like that's a little bit of a downgrade. Maybe there's some sort of picks and players and everything you could throw together that would make a deal like smart and picks plus Neesmith or something for Larry Nance and Colin Sexton. Maybe that's a deal that could be a possibility because there's now reports that the Cavaliers are trying to move on from Colin Sexton. Um, So, I mean, those are just a few names that that jump out to me as I'm looking at this list, but there's, there's really not a lot to get excited about. uh, If you're, if you're really looking into trading smart, there's not a ton of names that jump off the page like, oh yeah, that's that's who you go and target and that's who you can go and get and that's you know that's what you want to do. It's just it's slim pickings in his kind of salary slot. But the biggest thing it comes down to when deciding whether or not you're going to trade smart is whether or not you feel like you want to resign him. And if the answer is no, you just have to take what you can get. Yeah, it's kind of crazy to imagine that. You know what players maybe Brad disagreed with that were moved. Could it have been Isaiah Thomas, someone who was about to be the star of the franchise? Could it have been his best friend all his life, Gordon Hayward? Or the Miles Turner trade? Like we said, Hoop Central came out the rumor before saying that they're gonna that Indiana will listen to offers again this offseason. And it says the Celtics are gonna be one of those teams interested. Brad probably wants to get back in the sweepstakes. You know, that made a lot of sense. Uh Turner also had chemistry with Team USA along with the rest of the four. It was a good fit. We needed a rim protector, defense, his block shots. And 
you know, you look at Marcus, owed 14 next year. It really is slim pickings with the salary of their three best guys and knowing that the first two were untouchable. So, you, yeah, you could look at it a few different ways. Covington, yeah, it is a bit of a downgrade. I like Lonzo a lot. I know we've seen that a lot on Twitter. It would be a tremendous fit with the Jays, I believe, and a great replacement for Kemba. Could you move him to Dallas for some shooters? Could you... I wouldn't dislike Larry Nance, considering his defense and rebounding would help, and we could use him on the interior. Might be pretty nice next to the Time Lord. Sexton, I think that's a little unrealistic. I would be surprised if Cleveland would want to play off of Marcus as their point guard, knowing that Garland is their two. Uh, when it comes to him re-signing, I would believe that, you know, we got lucky that he only wanted for 13 the first time around. And we know he's, I love Boston, Boston loves me, and they're all, there's always going to be that mutual love between him and the ownership and the organization. And I wouldn't say it's too hard to imagine if he would re-sign for another price that's not that high, but we know that a small market team would definitely be interested in him, interested in him and his value with what he brings when he gets hot on offense, not only how he changes the game defensively, but he can get the hot hand sometimes. Now, we have seen him get ahead of himself. There are a lot of people out there that think he is closer are worried because he thinks he's closer to the the best two guys than he is. Uh, he gets a little wild on offense sometimes, as we know, as much as we love him. But, yeah, it's it makes a lot of sense for them to move him. He's the easiest contract they can move. He holds the most value. And when Gordon walked, I was the biggest supporter of his because we saw how great of a complimentary he got. A great of a complimentary guy he was for the Jays and not only the whole team, but the second unit as well. You know, he shoots very well efficiently at a high percentage. He's a great, you know, passer, rebounder, great at moving with the ball. He's is like a great point forward. And with him walking, it made a lot of more opportunity for Marcus. You know, he could score more. He could slide right into the starting five. He'd score at least 15. He could also be the team's best playmaker, which he was. But we saw he was there was a lot of wear and tear with him. There was struggles, him staying on the floor. He had that bad calf injury. It's just his defense was there this year, but it's just he was a little wild and we didn't see that much of an improvement. And with Kemba, it's like, you know, this was every... Imagine, remember how happy all the fans were when we brought him in. He was the perfect fit for Kyrie Irving. It started out amazing before the knee injury last February. Uh, he was an all-star the first year. He was averaging 25, I believe, the first month or two of the season. He looked explosive. He was willing to play off the ball and let other guys get involved and we looked like a team again playing Celtic basketball I was always saying you know Kemba made us great again besides Danny and brought back that joy to the Celtics that wasn't there the year before but there are 
are a lot of options to be made here, and this is going to be an exciting offseason worth fireworks, like I keep saying. And, you know, we just got to keep our eyes peeled. Now we just got to focus on the coach and whoever's going to be on the sidelines. Yeah, and I think that Olenek is one of those names that's a little more unrealistic on the ones I listed. I don't know what Houston's going to do to keep him. I would assume a significant amount because he played really well for them when he was there. But it's one of those kind of... It, it, even though it's funny to call Kelly Olenek a pipe dream, but I feel like it's it's uh, approaching that. Maybe the one on the list that's most approaching that. It's not like a superstar, but it's he's probably the best player on the list right now. I would say Nerlens Noel and Josh Richardson are also just a tad bit... I, I wouldn't even say unrealistic, but um, they're just probably two of the better players on that list that are, are going to have a, a significant market and would be hard to draw. And then I'd say some of the names that are more, you know, bottom of the barrel right now, um, kind of just at your average role players are probably Paul Millsap, uh, Trevor Reza, and then P.J. Tucker to a lesser extent. He's still a pretty good player, pretty valued. So I think all those guys are guys I, I you know, I, I would be interested in bringing in. I think the Rob stuff is difficult to manage because – he has been so historically good at times. He's been he's had some incredible performances, whether it be his ten block or whatever it was nine block game against the uh, the Nets, whether it was uh, his performance in the regular season. I think he had a, a, a game where I think it was something along the lines of twenty points, eight rebounds, and eight assists on one hundred percent shooting, and like it was. Uh, something along those lines, and I think he was like the only one, the the only centers to ever do that were like him, Will Chamberlain, and Nikola Jokic, and it's like, you know, some of these stats that he's he's putting up are just it's it's absurd, but he just can't stay on the court, and if that's going to continue to be the case, I don't know what you do. So that's why, you know, I think that if they can find a way to package somehow, Marcus Smart. Robert Williams, Peyton Pritchard, Aaron Neesmith, pretty much every valuable asset you have, um, plus all your picks for the future for another star, whether that's Carl Anthony Towns, whether it's Bradley Beal, both of which I find very, very unrealistic. But if you can do that, I I would. I would I would do what I would move heaven and earth if I could get Bradley Beal with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown or Carl Anthony Towns with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. I would do literally anything that those teams ask. And I, I do, again, I don't know if that's realistic. That's why I think some of these names are, are going to be what they'll have to settle for. But I, so I, I don't see that big splash coming this offseason. But I, I don't think it's entirely out of the realm of possibility. I think if one of those guys, more likely Bradley Beal, comes out and tells their team... I only want to play for the Celtics, that there's a path there. But I think that's the only way that happens, is if Beal comes out and tells the Wizards, I want to play with Jason Tatum, I want to play for the Celtics. And I don't know how likely that is. I think it's probably a little bit unlikely. Even when you do see players request trades like this, a lot of the time they do have a a list of potential destinations they would go to. And I don't know... You know, if, if Beal's going to be like that, obviously there's there's been situations where there's exceptions to that. Anthony Davis was pretty much exclusively the Lakers. Carmelo Anthony was pretty much exclusively the Knicks. But there was stuff linking those players to those teams for even months before their trade request. And we're not really hearing anything strongly linking Beal 
to the Celtics besides that Tatum connection, and that's that. It's 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 not uh, like as if they're. It's just the fact that they're friends. It's not as if there's any real uh, desire that's been expressed to play together so much. So, uh, I you know as much as I would love to see that happen, I, I if I again if I had to pick it, I would say it's not coming. But if it ever became available, I would do absolutely whatever it, t- it took. And it's just it's unfortunate that Rob is as good as he is, but he comes with these this other litany of issues that, that kind of makes you have to think twice about whether he's a, a significant part of your team going forward, even though he's still a very young player and still very talented. It's just it's it's tough to to manage an injury like that, and, and not just an injury like that. It's, it's, what I should say is he, he keeps having the injury pop up. He seems pretty injury prone, and it's tough to manage a player like that and figure out what the actual value is of having him on your team what the plan is because if he if he can't stay healthy which this team hasn't been able to this season at all then it's it's just it's not going to work over the course of a whole season your team's not going to be as good as it needs to be to compete at uh, a championship level right and you mentioned how tough rob is going to be to manage especially with how historic he was when he didn't have the durability problems and how super efficient he was you mentioned the stat with will and the joker and how he really just turned heads throughout his whole tenure when he became a starter. And we looked transformed as a team. And he looked like he was just an anchor. And I saw a tweet, I'm sure you might have saw it as well, that was like, imagine being a first-time president and your first decision is what to pay Robert Williams on a team-friendly deal, right? And that would be a pipe dream, as if a Beeler Towns came out and said, yeah, I would totally love to play with Jalen and Jason. And you mentioned Melo and AD and what they did with the Knicks and Lakers. When's the last time that's happened to us besides Kyrie Irving when he was here already? And again, we all know how that turned out. And, you know, Rob staying healthy mattered a lot more this year than it did in the past once he became a starter, obviously, because he was a much bigger part. And the move as we would imagine, was probably to move Tristan instead of Tice because Tristan's making nine and it was hard to move. And yeah, Tice wasn't the answer for Bam last year in the conference finals, but we could use him in a lot of different ways. He could play well as a stretch four when it comes to blocking shots at the rim as a small big, being explosive, uh, rebounding at a high level, bringing a ton of energy. And he could knock down threes and can shoot at a high percentage at times. And yeah, like you said, why not go for the home run? Like we went into this season, I imagined that the roster looked better on paper. Like we lost Hayward, but you would imagine, like I said, Marcus could come into that role and be what Gordon was and be more of a playmaker and up his offense again. And with the bench, their best bench player wasn't Brad Wanamaker. They had Jeff Teague and Tristan Thompson, who you thought would bring in veteran help, and they drafted two nice young rookies. And we know Neesmith didn't pan till midway through, but Pritchard was always opening our eyes since the season tipped off. And, yeah, so why not go for it all? It's, yeah, we had kids, but sometimes they just don't pan out the way you would imagine. As we saw this year, there was no consistency off the bench. I have made it known that my keeps would be Pritchard, Evan, Neesmith, Romeo, 
And I would even keep Jabari if you wanted to load up on some depth. Like, he's on a multi-year deal. It could be very unlikely. But I know you've mentioned before on, on your podcast how and post-game shows how it's weird how Brad hasn't used or wasn't using Jabari the right way. He was shooting very efficiently, but he would go in for short stints and barely see the floor. We have a lot to look forward to this offseason. I'd be open for anything, whether it be a, th- a third big star, whether it be stacking up on death with some of these kids that I just mentioned, adding other names. Like you said, I like Noel. He kind of brings in the same thing that Rob does, maybe a little more energy. Olenek would be awesome. He's transformed this game as a stretch four. He can dish the ball now, rebound a little bit, shoot at a high percentage, as we know. Someone who I've always thought would be a perfect fit is a Bobby Portis. Someone who's gritty, tough, can knock down threes, rebound, could be a good big alongside Rob. Like I said before, this could be a whole big turnaround of 10 or less players, or this could be, hey, let's swing for the fences and get our two young stars, their third complimentary guy that they've needed. The guys that we could imagine, you know, the semis, the grants, maybe the tacos of the world, we could almost book it that they're gone, I would say. And you could say Kemba Walker is definitely the ideal move, as many would imagine, but it's tough because he's pretty much untradeable in a way, knowing his salary that he's owed the next two seasons, making 36 and 37. He said, you know, that injury the last two seasons he was very inconsistent couldn't stay on the floor we saw how there was periods of time throughout the season where he would go on a tear especially like the end of the year but then once the playoffs came around he showed a glimpse of what he really was all season how slow and inconsistent he was and I don't know you could question if it was that because of the injury, you can question if it was because he was in a different situation. He just wasn't the same. And he just wasn't the Kemba we're used to seeing. And whatever deal you can get back for him will likely be low value. You can get def. You can bring in a guard for the second unit. You can maybe bring in a stretch big. Anything that could out add value, like you said, and bolster the roster some more. Clear cap space. You know, you look at some of the other bad contracts around the league, and I don't know if he'd be traded for another bad contract and has in like a Kevin Love or Porzingis and someone of that caliber. But if you do trade him for a low-tier player, you bring back Fournier, and Smart's still there for his last year. It's not like it's a bad option if Marcus runs at the one, and then you could run Fournier or someone else at the two with Jalen and Jason's still in there. And then if you don't bring in another big, you could have Rob as your defensive anchor along with Marcus. So you can go with a lot of options with this. And Yeah, and we'll just have to see. We'll have to see what they what they can get done this offseason and what Brad Stevens wants his plan to be. I mean, you said it's gonna be there, there are gonna be a lot of tough decisions to make. But roster wise, obviously with the head coach, like this this is a tough position for him to, to jump into. And figure out, especially with the scrutiny that he's going to face. I mean, we saw what kind of scrutiny he faced as the coach and what Danny Ainge faced as the general manager. And Danny Ainge had a championship ring on his finger, had a couple on his finger, but one as an, an executive. And 
Brad Stevens is going to uh, really have to uh, live up to, to expectations rather quickly if he wants to avoid much of that. But uh, that's going to pretty much do it for this episode of the podcast. Rob, thanks so much for coming on and making the time. Thank you, KJ. I'll be back. This was awesome. All right, awesome, guys. Well, you can go follow Rob on Twitter. Uh, you can check out all of his articles, too, at Guy Boston Sports, and make sure everything you're checking out everything he's doing over there. But uh, you can go follow him on Twitter at BleedGreen34. That's uh, green with an extra E because uh, last name, Rob Green, G-R-E-E-N-E. Uh, so go check his stuff out over there. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at ByKJDoyle. Follow the podcast on Twitter at WickedSmartPod. Check out everything over at Guy Boston Sports, including a lot of the stuff I wrote in this past week. Um, we mentioned the free agent articles, also wrote about the coaching candidates that could potentially uh, be coming in for the Celtics, um, the potential options they, could, they, they have to, to sign there. I have a Red Sox report card out, a um, bunch of different stuff uh, regarding that. Chase Winovich article that I wrote this week that should be pretty interesting if you want to read some Patriots stuff. Um, a lot of people got, got a lot of weird feedback on that one because that one's a little controversial, but uh, you guys can go check all of that stuff out. Thanks for listening, as always, and we'll catch you next time.